from spooky legends past, down through generations, to haunted locations that hold a ghostly past. Come one, come all, come blinders and seekers, hear the creepy side of Diva. Welcome to the creepy side of NEPA. I am Dan Kozlowski. I'd just like to mention all of our returning listeners and our new listeners. Welcome to the show, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on whichever podcast platform you're currently listening to us on. Also, if you haven't already, please take the time to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That is the best way to get the latest show information. Before we get into tonight's episode, I'd like to talk a little bit about what we have planned for this summer. The Creepy Side of NEPA is once again going to do their virtual campfire episode. This is the episode where we turn the mic over to you, the listener. We are looking for you to share your own personal paranormal story, something creepy that happened to you in the past. If you have a personal paranormal story that happened to you and you would like to share with us, please submit your story to us at ghost at WNEP.com. And maybe we'll pick you to share your story at the WNEP Creepy Side of NEPA virtual campfire. On tonight's episode, we have a very interesting guest. We have Laura Laddick-Hoffman. Laura is a paranormal investigator and also author. She's written a few ghost books in the past. But tonight we're going to talk about one in particular, Ghost of the Poconos. Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, welcome. This is great to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. When I was looking online, I came across your book, Ghost of the Poconos, sort of spun a little interest because we're trying to find different places within our viewing area of northeastern and central Pennsylvania, and that's, that's part of our area right there. And we really haven't heard too many stories about the Poconos. Yeah, it's amazing because I, when I first moved out here, I was like I was just tripping over one haunted thing after another. I thought, well, there's definitely a book here, you know. Sure. Yep, and that's a very popular area for vacationing and whatnot up there. People just like to go up there and sort of relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots to do. So it, it the the book Ghosts of the Poconos kind of works like a travel guide. I think it's it's helpful so people can figure out places to stay, places to eat, and then this way, if you're in a relationship where one of you is the avid paranormal person and the other one just wants to go to the spa, then the book really comes in handy because you can figure out. Something for both. Going to like to do. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite stories you came across up there in the Poconos? Well, I was you know, amazed with like I knew as a kid about the Buck Hill Inn, just going there with my grandmother back in the seventies for a week, and it was just like right out of The Shining. When I saw the movie in nineteen, what was it, seventy-eight, eighty, or yeah, whatever, I believe it was the, the late seventies. And I remember watching that and seeing the flashbacks to the the grandeur of the hotel. And I was like, wow, that reminds me of when I was a kid at the Buck Hill Inn. And then you fast forward into adulthood and I come to find out, wow, all this stuff was going on up there. You know, now that I know what I know about paranormal investigating. And sadly, you can't get in there. You know, it's all marked off and everything. No trespassing. So, you know, I'm. I'm a big fan of following those kinds of rules and not right. getting arrested. So, But then there were other places I found. Um, I, I knew of Memory Town. I used to come up there as a kid, and then I got to work on it when I 
was working on the book and I got to interview, I believe, Anthony Mahler, or and he's the owner. And he was telling me the different stories and things that they have going on. And even though it's it's still a, a beautiful place now for weddings, they've redone their barn and everything. They still have so many um, amazing like stories, things that he's encountered or, you know, where you know, he turned around at one point. He was so afraid. He thought somebody was like making a noise in the print shop or whatever. And his father and brother were with him and he was going to investigate it. And he turned around to say, hey, did you hear that? And they had already taken off out of one of the exits. <laughs> they weren't sticking around, huh? So they, yeah, they didn't stick around, but eventually he did find the source and it wasn't paranormal. Apparently there was a, a gentleman who was a little, a little drunk and who was just leaned up against the door and hitting it with a stick and wailing in a <laughs> drunken stupor. But, you know, but then they had their other issues where the one, I think he said a friend of his is like a former Navy SEAL and he got very spooked and I forget the exact circumstances, but he was quite spooked at it, you know. But then I I also went up to this place, the Tom Tom X Pub. It's uh, over in East Stroudsburg. And when I was working on the book, I, st- I still was working like the day job. And one of the girls I worked with, she said, oh, my boyfriend and I went to this really cool pub. And we overheard this waitress talking about some ghostly happenings. And she goes, I thought of you. Do you want to meet us there? And I was like, sure. You know? Yeah. So, and I lucked out the night that I met them there to have dinner. Mag or Mog, her name is Mog. I got to meet her and interview her extensively. And she had so many neat stories and things that she told me and just her experiences, you know, like, stuff where when she was just newly hired there and she was working with the, the owner to paint is she like the, the manager of the place no she's a waitress waitress okay she, yeah she she got hired as a waitress and in, initially she was helping the owner paint the place and she said one day they moved one of the tables out to the parking lot so they could have something to eat and be away from the paint fumes and she looked up and she saw this man's face looking down at her from the attic window. And, and she said to the owner, wow, who's who do you have up there? And the owner's like, nobody's up there. There's no floor. You'd have to walk along the beams. And so nobody's up there. But that's when the owner said, you know, it's weird. Three years ago when I bought this place, um, my son was with me and his friend and his friend stepped out to have a cigarette. And when he came back in... He said, what's the deal with the guy upstairs? Is he racist? Does he not like Spanish people? Because the guy was of Spanish descent. And that's when the, the owner was like, no, there's nobody up there. You know, there's no flooring. Nobody could be. And he said, well, there was this guy looking down with a scowl on his face at staring at me while I was having my cigarette. And so they don't really know the identity of who that gentleman may be or why he's up there in the attic. They do kind of assign some of the antics that take place in the pub to the former bartender Gus who had passed out well he died of a heart attack behind the bar and every so often you know things will be quiet and they're hanging out after closing the, the waiters and waitresses and the bartender maybe hanging out and having a drink and if there's like a tray you know where you pile mm-hmm. stuff up on the tray when you clear tables yep. all of a sudden that'll just get knocked to the floor you know now, does most of this stuff seem to happen to the employees or customers as well? 
customers have had it happen as well. Um, the one woman went down in the ladies' restroom. It's in the basement, which is towards the original older structure. Mm-hmm. Like the foundation of this restaurant is about 100 years old. And the main dining room is above that foundation, but you have to go through the dining room and down a flight of stairs to get to where the hallway is that separates the ladies' and men's room. And one time a customer was washing her hands, you know, in the sink after she had used the facilities. And she looked up in the mirror and she saw a woman standing behind her. So she just wanted to turn around and say, I'm almost done. And when she turned around, the woman wasn't there. Then they've had women that come running up in a state of panic saying, you know, were you knocking on the wall? Somebody was knocking on the wall. And they're like, no, nobody was down there. The one employee, he was on his way down one time to the, you have to kind of climb through this little alcove to get to where the storage area is. And they sent him down to retrieve some stuff from the storage area. And they used to have this big, beautiful mirror that hung right at the bottom of those first set of stairs when you go down to meet that hallway where the restrooms are. And you have to make a really hard right to get back under that alcove to where the storage is. So he had come down the stairs and he went in, he picked up the stuff he needed. He was coming back to the staircase and he turned around and he saw in the mirror, the reflection of a little boy sitting on the stairs. And then he looked back at the stairs and the boy wasn't there. Then he looked back at the mirror and he didn't see him, but then he just, he jumped up the stairs and they, they kind of laughed. They said every time they would send him down after that, you could hear him like doing three and four steps in a jump each time. <laughs> I definitely don't blame him. <laughs> he did not take his time coming back up. <laughs> now I know how you mentioned some parts of that building date back over a hundred years. Do you know if that was always a restaurant and pub or is that something before the restaurant? It wasn't always. It had its um, days, you know, just being like a, a, I don't know. I think the one, they kind of attributed to the Tom Mix cowboy person, but the the building itself, it says dates back 100 years. It had its brothel days. It was a speakeasy at one point, and it was rumored to actually have been one of the stops on the Underground Railroad. Okay, so it definitely had a little mix of history there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely seems like it might have had some story behind some of those hauntings with the history, like you just mentioned, the Underground Railroad, brothels, stuff like that. Yeah, and the bartender dying of a heart attack. I mean, people were actually just, like, waiting around, like, you know, I guess he's going to come out with the drinks. <laughs> Finally, they're like, what's taking him so long? And then he was dead behind the bar. I'm like, yeah. And then they had the one gentleman who was apparently a regular, and he kind of got a little too tipsy one night. He stumbled out of there. There's a little lake or pond next to the the building, and he unfortunately didn't stay out of it. He fell into it and drowned. Seems like it had a a few mishaps, a few unexpected deaths on the property. Yeah, Um, and then you've got that water energy, and over the years I've pretty much found like your most haunted spots are going to be somewhere near the bathroom the kitchen in a house if a property is like along the shoreline or has a lake or a water source it's like water definitely helps to conduct electricity and then you can have atmospheric conditions you know so that's why most of those old hammer horror films always are uh, 
you know, thunder and lightning storm, yep. a horrible stormy night. But there's a lot of truth in that because of that atmospheric condition. Spirits get that energy that they can draw from and manifest. It all sort of adds to the mix. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other favorite stories that you came across throughout the Poconos? Well, there was, um, well, the chi- this is right actually close to where I live, the Sorrenti Cherry Valley Winery. And it's interesting because I, I, I spoke to Ed and Lorraine Warren years ago, you know, when they were both still alive. And I was going to have them come down to where I was living at the time and do a presentation. So it was kind of like coming full circle to sit down and talk with Mary Sorrenti. And she said, we had the Warrens come to the winery. And she goes, and I asked Lorraine Warren, well, what do you see when you look at this place? And Lorraine was really picking up a lot to do with the Indian influence, and she was seeing, like, wheels of energy. Now, Mary took that to mean, excuse me, the one time she was doing, like, a drumming circle with a friend of hers, and these little, she's the only way I could describe it was, like, little white tornadoes started circling around the, um, what do you call that kind of structure, gazebo that they were in. And she thought it was interesting that wheels of energy is what Lorraine Warren had picked up on. Now, they do have some interesting occurrences at this place, wherein, like, the bottles are every shelf, and they showed this to me, where their wines are stored. Because they have a beautiful pizzeria place and a winery. And there's, like, a lip at the end of each shelf so that the bottles can be secure. And yet, every so often, a bottle just, boom, just jumps right off over that lip and crashes to the floor. They've also had where, for apparently, whatever spirit wants to ring up watermelon rosé, but that's one of their favorites. So <laughs> it always goes to the same one, huh? Yeah, so people are paying for their wine bottles, and they look at the receipt, and they're like, I didn't get watermelon rosé, so then they have to void it and take it off and re-ring it. And they've heard, you know, your classic footsteps, doors open and close. They have attributed a lot of that to what the ghost they nicknamed Henry, and they give an entire backstory on Henry that he was originally this was farmland and he had his farm and his barn and one night the barn caught fire he couldn't get his animals out he was so distraught that days later he hanged himself in that barn now i did all the research you could possibly do and i couldn't find anything about a fire you know a barn fire anybody named henry you know the most i could find was the whole story of the sailor family in sailorsburg because that's where this you know, Sorrenti's winery is, mm-hmm. but, um, but it still makes for a good story. And they still do have those errant footsteps that you hear. They do have the ghost of a Lene Lenape Indian that they would see peeking in through the windows of their old little schoolhouse that they have further out on the property. And initially Mary told me she, she saw this Indian chief or whatever she described him one day. And she ended up, um, a friend of hers, does a lot of Indian, you know, American Indian research and so forth. So she kind of sketched out what she saw. And that's when her friend said, wow, given those colors, she goes, that's definitely, that's a high chieftain in the Lene Lenape clan that, you know, you've, you've witnessed on the property. So, you know, they've had interesting things happen there too, you know, being so close to 33, you know, where car accidents have happened sure. and, so mostly when they saw the Indians, mostly outside of the properties looking in the windows? 
Yes. Yes. They have an old schoolhouse, which now is boarded up. But the one when it was still not boarded, you could see him looking in the windows. Definitely sounds very interesting, especially knowing that they brought the Warrens and they must have definitely seen something or felt something there to do that. Yeah, there's tremendous amount of of energy, you know, and they they used to have about 187 acres, I believe, when when she and her husband first bought the property. And then over time, they sold most of it. So it's like a preserve and they have the few acres that they keep going for their winery and their their pizzeria but you know they're really neat stuff you know there's some and then right up the street from that is the lake house which every year they do the horror hotel i have heard of that yep and it's fun because it's just like when i've gone down to eastern state penitentiary for their terror behind the walls it cracks me up when i'm standing in line and i'm like I know this place is legitimately haunted, so you're getting a lot of bang for your buck to go to a you know haunted yep, house because you're you're waiting for the theatrical effects and the the scaring, but then knowing that those places are actually haunted also it just adds to it. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So and, and the lake house, well, the horror hotel, it's it's got its legitimate hauntings. I was interviewing one of the actors, um, Joey, and. And he told me, you know, he was sitting in the one room, I think it was called like the chapel or something. And and he was sitting very still and he could hear people getting ready to enter. And he said he could feel like a presence in the room with him. And he said in his head, good, you're here. Help me scare these people. And as they were entering the room, he said he slowly started to lift his head to try to look at them. And then the one girl screamed and jumped, which made the other one scream and jump. And the first one who screamed said, he touched my shoulder. Well, the actors aren't allowed to touch any of the patrons. So he goes, "Mm, that wasn't me, you know. Sounds like something else was in there with them. Yeah, so he did sense a presence, and, and that's when he said, you know, help me scare them, and whatever it was took him to heart, and put it kind of touched the one girl, made her jump out of her skin. <laughs> it definitely sounds like they're getting their money's worth when they go through the Hotel of Horrors. Yeah, I mean, as, as a haunted attraction, I've been through it, and they do a really good job. The actors are very committed. It's 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 pretty intense. And then from a paranormal perspective, you know, talking with some of the people who have worked there, the other girl I talked to, Kim, she was um, she was in like this one room that they had. I think she said it was set up to look like a church and she was like on the, the makeshift altar area. And she said it was in between people coming through the room. So she took her cell phone out just to check messages. And as she was looking at her phone, she got this sensation of, like turn around look at me so she like put the phone down and she turned around and she saw this visage of this young man he kind of looked like he had been beaten up and he had like dress pants on that were tattered and a white shirt and a skinny tie and floppy moppy brown curly hair and he just he looked really sad and distraught and she couldn't make heads or tails of why am i seeing this until she um she brought it up and she she talked about it with me and I I said well let me do some research and I said at one point you know this hotel had been turned into more of a fight club and a really rough bar mm-hmm. during the 70s and 80s and there was a young bartender 
who fit that description. One night a fight broke out and he got beaten to within an inch of his life. And he didn't die that night. But a few days later, he succumbed to his his injuries. And I think that was the ghost that she saw standing behind her. He was a bartender during that time period. I definitely find those stories the most interesting when you're able to find the backstory out, the history of those hauntings or what you think they might have been. Mm-hmm. And the other stories are sort of stuck in your mind there in that area? In that area? Or just in the Poconos in general? Well, in, you know what's interesting is like this story, I don't know if you've heard of the Rain Man of Stroudsburg, Donnie Decker. I heard bits and pieces of the story. It's you know, I can remember back in the 80s seeing this on that show, you know, um, Unsolved Mysteries or some one of those like that. And I remember saying to my then husband, like, wow, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, that's not that far from here. You know, that's up in the Poconos. I love the Poconos. And then it was one of those things that went out of your head because back then I was just in Jill corporate mode and working and not really thinking, you know, it wasn't until like 1992, 93 that I got into the the ghost hunting and all this stuff. So, and it was funny when I started working on the book and I was talking to one of the postmasters over in Jackson Township. And he said, well, you know, if you want ghost stories, you got to you got to include the Rain Man of Stroudsburg. Not really. So I started researching it and I was like, oh, my gosh. Now, what really blew my mind was the amount of credible witnesses. I mean, we're talking like five or six personnel of law enforcement who witnessed this rain falling, not only coming from the ceiling, but shooting up from the floor, shooting vertically, horizontally. And, you know, all that stuff happened. They took this kid. He was on a compassionate furlough from Monroe County Correctional Facility for the weekend Mm -hmm. because his grandfather had died and his own family didn't even want him to stay with them. So he stayed with the, I believe the, the Kiefer's and, um, you know, they had the one gentleman, Mr. Kiefer, had a good feeling about him and figured out oh, this kid's trying to get his life together. It'll be fine. He can stay with us. And that's when all this hell breaks loose after dinner with all the rain coming. At one point, the the wife and her friend took him around the corner to the pizza parlor and then started raining in the pizza parlor. Then when they brought him back to the house, it started raining. Oh, it in the happened house in multiple again. locations. Yeah. And then when he went back to prison, I guess word traveled fast and the cellmate that he was with was begging them, please, he's making it rain in here, get him out of here, he's freaking me out. So they took Donnie and they put him in a private cell and the guards were kind of, you know, getting to Donnie and saying, hey, you know, if you're such a rain man, why don't you try and rain on the warden now the warden is in his office on the other side of the prison and donnie at this point is convinced he can do it so he starts rubbing his fingers together and visualizing it and next thing you know the warden gets this big splotch of water on his chest it soaks right through his shirt so he's like that's it you know get reverend blackburn in here and they take the kid in and and have a an exorcism of sorts and This is what I found was interesting because I don't think anybody ever, like, researched beyond that this is what happened. We did an exorcism. Everything is great. End of story. 
Well, I happen to have a book on the, you know, the Encyclopedia of Demons and so forth, you know, just like any girl has laying around. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, you know, something struck me about it. The way Donnie described this face of this evil old man with a crown on his head, that's when his first, this all started. He was up in the bathroom at the Kiefer's house just washing up for dinner, and he collapsed and he saw this man with this sardonic sardonic smile staring at him through the window with a crown on his head and then he got three scratch marks on his forearm when the exorcism was being conducted the priest commented on this awful rotting flesh smell that came to the fore and then he and and he was trying to read the the exorcism and the prayers and stuff from his Bible and the rain was pelting. It was hitting him so hard in the eyes. He could barely see the Bible, but the Bible never got wet. And then once he completed everything and the smell abated, Donnie seemed fine. So I went and I looked up and I found this interesting from Judeo-Christian, well, Judeo mostly, Judaism. It was called Osmodeus. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Or Osmodeus, it's A S M O D E U S, and he is a triple-headed kind of demon. He's got a, a ram's head, an ogre head in the center with a crown, and then the head of a of a bull. And he represents like lust and disruption. Like he usually brings a lot of problems in to marital beds and he brings family strife and problems and it was interesting because Donnie had said that here he is on this furlough for his grandfather's funeral and his grandfather was very abusive to him as a child so Donnie felt relief that the guy is dead and here this demon comes out and is still kind of getting in last licks you know on Donnie and creating all of this and back in the Bible there was an angelic recipe which was told to Tobias that in order to prevent this demon from coming in and ruining yet another marriage, you would have to have the fish's heart and liver and the fish's, yeah, the fish's heart and liver would have to be burned as like an incense during the exorcism and it gives a horrible rotting flesh smell, but it drives the spirit, the evil spirit away, the demon so it kind of made sense to me that that was the smell that came through when the priest was doing the exorcism. And so it's it's pretty neat if you ever look up that spirit. It's Ashmedai is Hebrew for evil spirit. And the, the, the demon's name is A-S-M-O-D-E-U-S. So I'm not sure if it's Asmodeus or Asmodeus. I know how you were saying... Well, I know how I said, I only heard bits and pieces of the story, but it seems like everything sort of interlocks there. How you said the grandfather who died used to abuse him, how the spirit or the demon actually was trying to get sort of the last few jabs at him. And then the smell, it just sort of, everything sort of locked right in there. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's weird. It is weird. I, you know, it's, and it's funny when you read the story, in, from the Bible, like Tobias was a debt collector of silver, and it says t- 
Tobit was praying for help for the family at the time. Now, there was this girl, Sarah, who was praying for divine intervention since she was being suspected of witchcraft and sorcery because all seven husbands that she had had died on her wedding night before laying with her. And God heard both prayers, sent Archangel Raphael to help, and he was disguised as an old man named Azarius, and he escorted Tobias, and while camping one night by the Tigris River, Tobias caught a large fish, and Raphael instructed Tobias to save the heart and the liver and the gallbladder of the fish. The gall would restore sight because his father was blind, and then Tobias was to propose marriage to Sarah, and Tobias knew the whole story with this woman that she's already killed off seven guys on their wedding nights. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and, and the angel who was disguised said, no, no, just make sure the night of your wedding, when you get to the bedroom, you burn the heart and the liver of this fish and everything will be fine. And, and it worked. So they had a successful marriage. <laughs> the other thing that's so bizarre is I wonder where the water comes into play, where the rain. Yeah. And what's interesting is when the landlord and... Mr. Kiefer both touched it. They said it had a like a, a sticky feel to it. You know, it was looked like water when it was dripping and flying around the room, but it didn't feel like water. It had a more kind yeah, of different texture. To it. Well, I definitely like to thank you for coming on the show tonight. You had some definitely interesting stories about the Pocono area. Like I said, we haven't heard too much about the Poconos, and I'm glad that you touched on the Rain Man because, like I said, I heard that story before, bits and pieces of it, but I haven't heard anything in the detail like you just gave us. Oh, good. If anyone was interested in picking up a copy of your book, Ghosts of the Poconos, how about would they get a copy? Would it be online? Do you have a, a website? Yeah, the, on the website, njghs.net, it's for New Jersey Ghost Hunters Society, so it's njghs.net. I do have um, links for all three books if, if they're interested, and that's on, I believe, on the Who's Who page or the presentation page, one of them. But that's there, and then and Ghosts of the Poconos is also on Amazon, so they can look it up there, too. Okay. Do you have anything else before we leave this evening? No, no, I just, I'll, I'll be out presenting in the fall this year. So thankfully the whole COVID thing has come to a close and I can be out in person again. And I will be actually in the Poconos at the Emmaus Public Library in October. So if people want to check out again on the website, there's a presentation page that lists the schedule. So they can always buy the books from me when I'm in person. And that way you don't have shipping and handling and you can get it signed. And I always offer a discount when I'm standing there in person. So <laughs> if they want to wait till October, that's that's good too. So that website is the best place to get information for where you'll be next and uh, uh, naturally to pick up a copy of your book too. Right. And if you're having any kind of paranormal disturbances, the New Jersey Ghost Hunter Society, we provide all our investigations for free. So we're all about the research. So if you're someone who wants to learn how to paranormal investigate, you can join. And that's only a $25 lifetime membership fee. And if you're someone experiencing something otherworldly in your household, then shoot us an email and we can always send out a team. It's discreet. And we investigate and provide you with a report of findings within two weeks. And one more time, what was the website again? N for New Jersey, N for New, J for Jersey, GHS, Ghost Hunters Society, NJGHS.net. 
And one more time, I'd like to thank you again, Laura, for joining us this evening. No, thank you. Thank you for joining us in this episode of The Creepy Side of NEPA. Once again, like I spoke about in the beginning of this episode, if you have a creepy paranormal story that happened to you in the past, and you would be interested in sharing it at the virtual campfire episode, please submit your stories to us at ghost at WNEP.com. And maybe we'll pick you to share your story at the WNEP Creepy Side of NEPA virtual campfire. Until next time, enjoy the Creepy Side of NEPA. This has been the Creepy Side of NEPA. If you have a spooky story that took place in northeastern or central Pennsylvania, send it to ghost at WNEP.com for your chance to share it on an upcoming episode. We're dying to hear from you. Ha, <laughs>